Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. brilliant to be here and it has been a long time. I just want you to know I'm not Rob, I'm Marion. <laughs> At least 10 people when they saw Rob and I this morning said, oh good, is Rob going to speak? And I said, no, it's me. And they were trying not to look too disappointed. So I hope I don't disappoint you. Rob is coming, but in the new year, I think, sometime. But it is good. And great title, great morning this morning. I'll explain more, but the miracle of the moment. I don't know about you, but have you ever looked forward to something that's going to happen? Maybe a visit, a trip, a holiday, someone you're going to meet, something like that. Well, many years ago now, my brother, who's six years younger than me, is a Christian musician. Um, He's, he actually is the one that put together the Lord's Prayer to Old Lang Syne. They called it the Millennium Prayer. Cliff took it to number one. Radio 2 wouldn't play it, but it was the number one record of 1999. So he, and he wrote various ones, one or two others for Cliff, and lots of other songs, wrote musicals, things like that. Anyway, this particular evening, he was doing a concert not far from where we were living. So I thought, well, I'll drive up and surprise him and go and listen to the concert. So after the concert, and he'd, he'd got a group, I thought, I'll just go and say hello before I drive back home. So I went down and I asked where he was. His name's Paul Field. And they said, oh, yes, he's in this little room out the back. So I said, oh, thanks. So anyway, I kind of knocked on the door Paul opens it, and I said, oh, hi, Paul. Oh, he said, I've just got to dash off somewhere, but don't worry, come and meet Cliff. And in that room was Cliff Richard. <laughs> and I tell you, I was absolutely gobsmacked, because for many of you, you're much younger than me, but Cliff Richard, Elvis Presley, Tommy Steele, that was my era. To be completely honest with you, I wasn't so keen on Cliff. I preferred... <laughs> I preferred Tommy Steele, but I was a bit gobsmacked because I wasn't expecting to meet this person. And it was made all the more awkward because actually Cliff is quite shy. So we didn't really know what to say to each other. And I was really glad when the tea lady came in <laughs> so I could sort of chat to her. But um, that was a bit of a moment really for me Sometimes, though, we have to wait for our moments, don't we? When I was little, and I mean very little, my dad, and he's 95 now, lives on the south coast, every Christmas Eve, from when I was really, really young, he used to read me the same book. And for me, that was the moment that Christmas began. And I'm going to read you a bit. It's ever so exciting. It's really a poetry book, and it's not even the best poetry. But by the time I was about seven or eight, I knew that book off by heart. I've 
forgotten a bit of it now, but if I say it to my dad, he quotes it back at me now, even at 95, because we did it. It was, a, it was a thing that we did together, and I really thank my dad for all that he put into me. But this was one thing, and let me just read it to you. This started my Christmas. I'll just pick that up and get it out of the way. "'Twas the night before Christmas." Yes, some of you. That means you're quite old, probably. <laughs> "'Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And mum in her kerchief and dad in his cap had just settled down for a long winter's nap when, out on the lawn, there arose such a clatter. I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window, I flew like a flash, tore open the sashes and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen slow gave the luster of midday to objects below, when what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver, so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St Nick, not the devil. St Nick, <laughs> other name for Father Christmas, more rapid than eagles, his course as they came, he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer, now Vixen, on Cupid, on Comet, on Donder and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. That's not the whole thing, but I'm not going to read you the whole thing, because you'll get bored. But I guess you could imagine that, for me, just got me more and more excited. I had, probably still do have, fairly vivid imagination. I often would tell my dad, I've just seen the sleigh, I've seen the reindeers, he's just gone over the roof. Things like that. Um, but then in the morning, it was amazing. The presents would be there. Father Christmas would have been. So that was the beginning for me, the miracle of the moment. But you know what? Something much more exciting this morning. Today, yes, today is the first Sunday of Advent. Do you know that? Yeah, sort of, but you're not Anglicans, so you probably don't know it. Like, if you were Anglican, we'd be lighting the first candle of Advent. There were four Sundays in Advent. And Advent means the coming. That's what it means from, from the Latin, the coming. Amazing. Think of some of the amazing Advents that we've had in our lifetime. For example, first man on the moon. What an amazing advent. Any, anyone think of anything else that's happened in our lifetime that would amaze everybody else who's gone, long gone? Mobile phone? Internet? 
If Rob and I, if our mums were alive, they wouldn't know what they were because mobile phones weren't around, the internet wasn't around. And then just this week, you probably saw it on the news, there was a landing, NASA <coughs> landed this little space probe thing on Mars because it's going to do some kind of research into Mars. Did you see that on the news? It's amazing. They, the scientists back at NASA have to slow the thing down that's going like crazy in space at 12,500 miles an hour. And they have seven minutes to slow it down so that it lands safely on Mars. I have to say that when I heard that, it did seem a bit reminiscent of Rob's driving. <laughs> so good when I have the mic and he doesn't. <laughs> but they did it. They landed on Mars. Absolutely amazing. There was another thing on the news this week about concrete that could heal itself. Did you see that? It was a certain kind of concrete. You've put something tiny in it, and the cracks can be self-repaired. That's amazing. If that really does get you know, patented, it's going to be amazing. Anyway, the excitement of expectant waiting. Have a look at these verses, which I think you'll know well because they're read every Christmas, and it's from Isaiah. I guess you know them. You know, this is the prophecy about the coming of Jesus. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. That is the most amazing advent of all. Far more important than meeting, dare I say, Cliff Richard or Father Christmas. This is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. What a promise. What an amazing thing. And this is the first morning of Advent. And so we remember that. This excitement of expectant waiting. Expectant waiting make, reminds me of um, <coughs> actually our first child. Uh, I was the expectant mum waiting for our first child to be born. And can't go into all the story, but six weeks before... I saw the doctor and he said, gosh, there's a lot of arms and legs. He said, it feels, perhaps it's just, you know, lying in a funny way. And I thought, that's odd. He said, I think you ought to have an x-ray. Because in my day, when you're very old, they didn't do scans. And you had to wait till you were 34 weeks pregnant before you could have an x-ray. And amazingly, it wasn't one baby. It was two. What a lovely surprise. <laughs> I have to be careful because one of them is sitting next to Rob. <laughs> it was a lovely surprise, actually. It was fantastic. What an advent. What a coming. But think about it as far as the Jews were concerned. For hundreds of years, they'd been told, this Messiah is coming. He's coming. He's going to rule Israel. And they must have looked forward to that because basically... 
they were under the oppression of the Romans. And they must have thought, why didn't this Messiah hurry up and come and get us out of this? That's what they were looking for. And it's funny, isn't it? Because sometimes what we hope for and look forward to doesn't quite turn out the way we expected. You know, I mean, why does God do strange things? Have you ever thought that? He never does it the way he should do it, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I've often worked out, you know, right, God, this is what I'd like, and this is how you do it. Doesn't do it. And it's very off-putting, because you'd think he'd know, you know, how to do it. But no. And this coming of the Messiah ends up this young girl having a baby in like, it wasn't a stable. It looks very pretty, doesn't it, on Christmas cards, but it was an animal's, uh, where they kept animals, basically, probably a cave. Not very pleasant. And that's where Jesus was born. But you know, that event changed the world, changed the course of history. So that's why Advent is so exciting, because we remember that. On Friday, Rob and I went uh, to celebrate the 10th anniversary of Hope for Justice. If some of you, I guess, know Hope for Justice, it's uh, an organization against human trafficking. Ellie, in fact, works for Hope for Justice. But you know, in December 2005, I was sitting in a, what was a fairly boring, I was a trustee of something called Spring Harvest. I was sitting in one of their meetings down south, and a guy called Steve Chalk, who was on the leadership team then, said, I want to show you a video, because I'm going to do something called Stop the Traffic, which is to try and tie together all the small anti-human trafficking organizations. He said, I want to show you a little video. Showed a two-minute video. That changed my life, because I sat there thinking, I'm going to have to do something. I don't know anything about human trafficking, but I know I've got to do something. And I was knocking on 60 then, so I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do. Had all kinds of visions of things I could do. I won't tell you. Some of them were, well, one of them was I was thinking we could march on Downing Street and I could get all the grannies together and we could use our white sloggy knickers. Now, you have to be a certain age to, and I've never worn them, by the way, but I thought we could wave things like that and we could march on Downing, Downing Street, and we could do something about human trafficking. Well, it didn't quite work out like that. I ended up going to India with nine other women in 2006, and in 2007, did a little tour around the UK of about 11 venues. And the first venue was Manchester Town Hall, and I persuaded the mayor to let me have it free. They said it was gonna be 2,000 quid. I said, oh no, I can't pay that. Can't we have it? It's a very good, you know, it's a cause. You should be interested in getting rid of slavery. Anyway, the mayor in the end said yes. So I got it free. Gave it out at the church Rob and I were at, um, saying about it. And this young man, young lad really, called Ben Cooley, came up to me and he said, I'm actually trained as an opera singer, you know, and I'm just wondering whether you'd need someone to stage manage. So I thought, I hadn't even thought about stage manage. 
But I knew I'd got nine other women who'd probably never stood on a stage before, so I thought, well, Ben can help and do that. And he did. But you know what? God got hold of him. And Ben is now the CEO of Hope for Justice. I can't tell you the whole story, but in 2008, we booked the NEC, and nearly 6,000 people came. And it was amazing. It cost £250,000, and we had no money. And we realized when we drove on site of the NEC the day before that actually Rob and I were the only ones that had anything. Ben and Deb were in a rented accommodation, so we thought the only collateral we've got is our house. So if this goes down, we will have no house. So it was a bit of a risk. But when we went to that party on Friday night, it always blows me away. You know, Hope for Justice Now, after 10 years, is on four continents has over 300 staff, and hundreds and hundreds of children and adults have been rescued. Is that right, Ellie? So, but you have to take those kind of steps. There's another verse that's in the New Testament that talks about God's timing. If we, yeah. You see, God does know best. I know he does, really. And it says, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. And that changed all our lives. And I want you just now to watch just a little clip. So watch the screen. If you don't know that film, it's, from a, it's called Chocolat. It's an absolutely brilliant film, some time ago. But I wanted to do just that part because it spoke to me very much. You see, when God moves, sometimes it's really disturbing, like that wind, like the wind of the spirit. It's not just calm and doesn't disturb us. It does disturb us. Just like me with the hope for justice thing, I knew I'd got to do something, but it was petrifying. I'd never been to India, and we'd never taken that kind of risk with the money. God's moments are often very disturbing. They're not as we would have planned. God sends his son into the world, and in, in the beginning, he goes completely unrecognized, and then he's crucified. Nothing like the thing we would have imagined. And in that clip, I really believe the spirit was blowing through that church, was really blowing through that church. But you know, that man in the film, maybe he felt he should do that. He got up and he shut the door. And that's something we should never do if the spirit is moving, particularly in our church. In PBC, for example, don't ever shut the door when the spirit's moving. But it will disturb you. It's never just calm and comfortable. And I just feel very much, before I close, just to say that the Spirit is moving afresh in Poynton Baptist Church. Rob and I have been two or three times, and we can see it. And don't rush to close the door, to make it comfortable, to make it all right again. Allow yourselves, all of you, to be disturbed. And I'll tell you this, I sincerely believe that the younger generation here 
among you have been raised up to take this church forward. Joel, Ellie, Will, loads of others. God's doing a new thing. Mary was a young teenager and God chose her to have the Son of God. So I think a few young people in Poynton Baptist Church can do something amazing. And I want to challenge you. And I want to challenge you older folk. And I count, Rob and I count ourselves in that. Rob is really old. <laughs> but we're both over 70. So we're kind of in that bracket. But you know, it doesn't mean that the older generation are not wanted or not valued. You're greatly valued and you're needed. Your wisdom, your experience of life is absolutely vital. <coughs> Interestingly, things may not happen the way you think they should happen. Because sometimes young people do things differently, styles different, but there is something special happening here. So don't work against it, work with it. And I think it will be amazing what God wants to do with you all. And I mean all of you. Keep the doors of this church wide open. I'm, I'm thrilled, Ellie, that you're going down to the, uh, what's it, the, what's it lounge? The acoustic lounge. That's brilliant. Going out of the doors of this church down the road. Rob and I are really enjoying meeting in a vodka bar in Wilmslow. <laughs> the bar isn't actually open on Sunday morning, but they come in and they open up for us and we have the whole of Revolution given to us. And then we pay for bacon rolls and drinks, not alcoholic, but drinks. God's doing something different and he wants to do it here. And he has raised up many of you to do just that. But as I close, I want to challenge you personally too. What about in your own lives? How many moments might you have missed when God was blowing in your life by the power of his spirit and you kind of ignored it? What's God saying to you personally? Maybe you need to open the door for the very first time to allow Jesus into your life. That might be one of the things. And if you do that, please talk to someone that you know or someone after the service. Ask them to pray with you. Because if God's stirring, you need to take a decision sooner. Don't put it off. If God's speaking to you about something specific, don't ignore it. Take some kind of action. And that can be very scary as well. But I often think to myself, where would hope for justice be here if I hadn't got off my backside and gone to India and done that tour and Ben had been stirred and hope for justice had been born? I think, oh my goodness. And you know, the amazing thing is, God uses just ordinary people and often not the ones who are the most charismatic extrovert like someone we do know who I've been married to for nearly 50 years. But sometimes he stirs the, us who are shy, and I am shy, very shy. But I know 
God speaks and uses me, so I just obey. And it's probably not as powerful and not as this, that, and the other, but I just know that God wants to say that to you all. And I want to encourage you. You who think you've got no particular significance, you have. You have. And God might be saying something very specific to you. Come and tell me afterwards, because I'd be thrilled to hear anything, or tell someone else. Pray about that. Do it. It is scary. It's very disturbing. So anyway, remember, don't close the door. Be prepared to take action. Do things differently. Allow your life to be turned upside down. It's very exciting. The Advent becomes an amazing adventure. There's a car sticker that used to be around. I don't know whether it's still around, but it used to say, a dog is for life, not just for Christmas. Do you remember? I just want to say, God is for life, not just for Christmas. Just remember that. Advent goes on and on and on in your life because Jesus is a creator, God, and he's always doing something new. And there are always Advents. My final image, okay, is this one of a squirrel. When you get older, you start liking programs like Country File. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It's really funny. Rob and I are like, oh, when's Country File on? And I'm like, did he really say that? But we actually have the Country File calendar because they give certain amounts of money to children in need, so it's a good opportunity to buy something. But yesterday morning, I came into the kitchen to make a cup of tea and I turned over to December. And there's this fantastic photo of a squirrel leaping for that branch. And the caption underneath was a leap of faith. Go on, why don't you do it? Thanks for listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.